with us, or if you're just joining us, this entire year we've been in this one long series uh, called Build Your House. And Build Your House is rooted in two things. It's rooted in both a prayer and a belief. And the prayer is, Lord, build your house. You know, the last two years, we've, you know, we referenced, and I'm sure the pandemic will be referenced for much time to come, but it took a toll you know, it took a toll, and in many ways, it's like a, a house experiencing a storm. And after a storm, you know, you assess the damage. And in many ways, um, you know, we have been, uh, this house, you know, has taken a hit like many other places. And our prayer is, Lord, build your church. God, build your church. And we know that the foundation is strong because the foundation is built on Jesus Christ, you know, the solid rock. But we, Lord, re, like rebuilding, in the season of rebuilding, Lord, build your house. And then secondly, it's rooted in a belief. And the belief is this in Psalm 127, verse 1, says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers, which is us, we are the laborers. This is the Lord's house. It's not our house. It's not our church. It's the Lord's church. But we are the workers. And unless God builds his house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, our work, unless the Lord is behind everything that we do, our work will be meaningless. And we don't want our work to be meaningless. We want our work, our labor to be meaningful and have purpose. And so over the year, we've been looking at these, these words would start with the letter P. You know, as you come in, you can see them on the wall. We started the year by exploring the importance of God's presence, which, which should go without saying the importance of having God's presence in everything that we do. Knowing our position. So the second word, P, position in Christ. We talked about depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then recently, through the life of Joseph, we're looking at the importance and, and the value of, of people, how God works through all sorts of people. And now for these next four weeks, well, five if you include Mother's Day. Mother's Day is coming up for all of you who have mothers in your life. Just always just a, you know, public, uh, you know, safety announcements. Uh, we are looking at another P word, and that is the word prayer. Prayer. The one that I believe is the most foundational uh, words of all the P words, and that is prayer. And so for this current series on prayer, we're actually going to be partnering with an author by the name Pete Grieg, or Greg, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, who wrote a be very beautiful book uh, called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And if you're a normal people, this is a simple guide for you. And this is a wonderful book. You know, I've read many books on prayer, and some of them can be very, you know, heady and theolog theological, theological heavy. But this is a really good book that merges, you know, just theology with application. And I really recommend it. And we have them back there at our Welcome Center that will be for purchase. So you can, uh, you can pick one up or just pick it up on Amazon or whatever if you want to follow along with us, but you don't have to. And uh, so he, this book is available as well. He produced two courses on prayer that I believe are free. And I think if you go to prayercourse.org, there's two courses. One is on praying the Lord's Prayer, and the second is on unanswered prayers. So just two resources for you uh, as you, I, you know, I'm sure you have a longing and a desire to pray well. Amen? You know, it's, it's been my experience that while not everyone prays consistently, it's part of the human experience to have some point in your life felt that inner need, that inner desire, that inner urge to turn away from yourself and to turn towards something or someone higher and greater than you are. You know, maybe if you're on a hike, you know, you've hiked up a mountain and it's the sunrise, you know, it's the beginning of the day and it's the sun is, you know, coming up and you're looking over the mountains and there's a lake and all that. And you just have this inner need, inner desire to say, wow, 
You know, just express yourself beyond just you and just say, wow, to, to someone, to something, wow. Or maybe the birth of your first child and you're there holding that child in your arms for the very first time and, and there's this inner desire just to say thank you. You know, you just want to say thank you. Or maybe it's after the doctor delivers, you know, bad news uh, and news you don't want to hear and you just, you're, you're, you're helpless and you just turn, you know, to this guy and just say, help, help. You know, I'll never forget as an 18-year-old in my very first year of, of college being rushed to the hospital because of a very severe anaphylactic uh, reaction. And as I was there, I, I sincerely thought I was dying. And I remember just lying there saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for going all to those parties. Lord, I shouldn't have gone to those, those college parties. I'm so sorry. I'll never go to them again if you just get me out of this situation. You know, whatever you want to call it, the old-fashioned word is prayer. The modernized version is thoughts and prayers. Or if you want the secularized version, which is sending positive vibes, whatever that means. In the heart of every person is the impulse to pray, especially during the most important moments of our lives. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say to be human is to pray. Because humans are the only part of God's creation that has a yearning and a desire to be spiritually connected to their maker. I mean, mountains don't pray, right? Oceans don't pray. Animals don't pray. Although if animals did pray, I bet you dogs would be the best intercessors, wouldn't they? All day long, they'd be praying for their owner. Just God bless them. Just God take care of them. You know, it's people who pray. And not just religious people, but people people, human people. You know, the great rabbi... Abraham Heschel once described prayer as our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Canadian psychologist David G. Benner describes prayer as the soul's native language, observing that our natural posture is attentive openness to the divine. And as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with someone in crisis and rarely, if ever, whether or not they believed in God, when I said to them, do you mind if I pray for you? Rarely have I ever been turned down or declined. It can often seem like only those who believe in God are the ones who pray. But the fact of the matter is anyone with a soul will at some point or another pray. But if prayer is so instinctual to the human condition, why don't we do it more? You know, why is it that only in times of need, then prayer becomes, you know, the first thing that we turn to? Why does prayer seem like our last option instead of our first? Also, if prayer is such an important practice, you know, why do I find prayer to be so difficult? Why do I struggle to develop a discipline, a habit, a time to pray? And why is it that when I do pray... Everything that I, that I need to do, everything on my to-do list, everything, all the concerns of the world suddenly is just downloaded onto my mind. And please tell me I'm not the only one. You know, for those who confess to be Christian, and meaning that you confess to having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and that you are someone who has dedicated your life to following in the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ, prayer needs to live at the heart of who you are and what you do as a Christ follower. And it can't be something that we do just occasionally or sporadically, but it's something we should be doing always. You know, Paul says to the Thessalonians that we should be praying without ceasing, meaning that prayer 
it's just a natural overflow to living in Christ. To be a Christ follower, that prayer is just always, you know, just coming out of your mouth. Prayer is and always will be the single most important activity a Christian does. You know, trying to follow Jesus and fulfill his great commandment, which is love God with all of your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those two tasks, you know, both in one and the same, the great commandment of Christ will be impossible to follow without prayer. And trying to do that, love God and love your neighbor without prayer is like being a fish and trying to swim out of water. Good luck, it's going to be a struggle. Pete Grieg, who is the author of our, of our book that we'll be following along with, writes that a Christian who only prays when they feel like it will only survive but never thrive. If it's not enough that we just learn how to pray, but that we as Christians need to learn how to pray well. Do you agree with that today? In fact, I would go even one step further to say that a Christian who prays well is a Christian who lives life well. You mean I haven't met someone who has an incredible prayer life who also isn't more, a more happier, a more joyful, a more peace-filled, trusting, confident person regardless of circumstance. But what is the difference you might ask, between learning how to pray and learning how to pray well? Well, the answer, I think, is the difference between having knowledge and having desire. Both are incredibly important. Knowledge, especially, is, in, is obviously important, but can we say that knowledge is more important than having desire? I mean, for example, say that I want to lose 15 pounds, which is what I always want to do, lose 15 pounds. I have knowledge. I got a lot of knowledge on how to lose 15 pounds. I can tell you how you could lose 15 pounds. But when it comes to me losing 15 pounds, all that knowledge in the world is, is not going to produce a desire to lose 15 pounds. You know, learning how to pray, it requires knowledge. We need to know what to say and how to say this and to do that. Yes, that's important, but learning how to pray well requires a desire. A desire to help us overcome distraction and to develop discipline. You know, the Pharisees in Jesus' day knew how to pray. They had the knowledge, didn't they, on how to pray. They knew where to go. They knew how to stand. They knew what to say. And when Jesus would speak to his followers about prayer, he says, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees pray. Don't do that. Instead, when you pray, you know, pray like this. And so if all you want to do is to know how to pray, I can easily show you, I can tell you the five steps on how to pray. And obviously that's important. We don't want to discount the importance, but I can give you the knowledge on how to pray. But if you want to pray well, no one can show you how to have that desire. Nobody can teach you to have a desire to pray well. That's something that will be strictly between you and God. But the good news here today is that when any one of God's children lack in anything, all they have to do is to go to God and ask. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 5, James writes that, Now, if any one of you lacks wisdom, wisdom is something that you really can't acquire through, through knowledge, right? Wisdom is something that has to be acquired through life. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously, all, to give to all generously and ungrudgingly. He doesn't say it gives to some. He says he gives to all. All who ask. 
generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So if you lack a desire to pray, and just be honest to God right now. Just be honest with God, because God already knows, right? I love that. We can be honest with God, because God already knows your heart, and he still loves you the same regardless. Be honest, God. I struggle to with desire. I struggle with the desire. I've grown up maybe in church, or, or maybe I, I've taught, I've read books on prayer, but I just struggle with desire, or maybe it's discipline or what or whatnot. Ask God, believing that God gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. Now, that's not to say it's going to be easy, right? Sometimes we wish that, you know, God is like a genie in a bottle and he grants you spiritual, three spiritual wishes. What would you like? My first wish, genie, is to pray well. There you go. You know, it's, he isn't going to, if you ask God, say, God, give me patience. He's not going to download patience onto you like a software update. No, he's, what he's going to do is he's going to put somebody in your life to help you develop patience. You're going to say, God, make me patient. And all of a sudden someone's there and you're just really impatient. You're like, God, I asked for patience. He says, I am teaching you patience. You know, I, I'm teaching you patience. I'm going to teach you how to have a desire for prayer. And the des- so the desire to pray will begins by asking God to birth in you such a desire. It's okay to ask the Lord in prayer. In fact, he loves it when we ask. That's what the disciples did with Jesus. You know, they asked him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says that he, being Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And what did the Lord do in that moment? Did he scold his disciples and said, didn't they teach that to you in synagogue school? Shouldn't you know already how to pray? No, he was like, I thought you'd never ask. And what he gave when they asked was the most famous prayer that has ever been prayed, the Lord's Prayer, which was given to us by Jesus for this very purpose, to teach us not only how to pray, but to pray well. See, when you pray, Jesus said, pray like this. He didn't just say, pray this and then you've prayed well, but pray like this. Our Father, you know, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Because when you think about it, think about it for a second. The disciples knew how to pray, right? They knew how to pray. They were taught from a very young age the right words to say in prayer, just as the Pharisees modeled. They were taught what to say, how to say, all the motions from a very young age. But they saw something different in how Jesus prayed. And in them was a longing not to pray like the religious leaders did, but to pray like Jesus did, to pray deeper, to pray more intimately, to pray more powerfully. You know, never let it be lost on any of us here today that the greatest person to ever have lived was preeminently a man of prayer. That before beginning his ministry, Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That before choosing his disciples... Jesus prayed all night. That after performing miracles, Jesus would go and retreat to a quiet place to pray. That in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed. Now, Dr. William Barclay wrote that Jesus died with a prayer on his lips. And the, the one who is perfect in every way, the one who is completely sinless, the one who had perfect union with the Father, the one who was overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. He prayed, 
And he still prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And if Jesus, who is perfect and sinless, prayed, how much more do you and I need to pray? And so for the remainder of the series, what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be using the Lord's Prayer as a paradigm for how to pray well. And in this book, you know, the author gives us a wonderful acronym. The acronym, and uh, if you were here on Waiting Saturday, Pastor Karen shared it with our kids. The acronym is PRAY. Wow, that's so good. You're going to never forget that. PRAY stands for P. It stands for pause. R, rejoice. A, ask. Y, yield. Pray. Now, I'll admit, I've never been much of an acronym kind of guy. Sometimes, but sometimes when it comes to learning something like prayer, you just need to kiss. You know, keep it simple, stupendously simple, because I can't say that other S word in prayer in, in church. Keep it simple, stupendously simple. But these letters, you know, they're not like studying the law. Like, they are more like learning dance steps. In fact, I believe prayer is more like learning how to dance than it is studying law. You know, we learn the movements. We learn the dance movements because prayer needs to be fluid. It needs to be interactive. It needs to be open for creative interpretation. There's no one superior way to prayer. I think 90% of praying well is just simply showing up. Come on. Just show up and you are already on your way, 90% on your way to praying well. Because if you show up to pray, whatever path you choose to take, Jesus is going to show up on that path with you. So the first word in our PRAY acronym is probably going to be the most difficult one for us living here in, as contemporary Christians. Because P stands for pause. The best way to start praying well is to actually start by stop praying. To stop and be still before the Lord. To press pause on your words and your thoughts and your agenda and become more attentive and present to God's words and his thoughts and his agenda. And here's why I believe that it is so necessary and needed for you and I to press pause in prayer. Because our greatest challenge to praying well will be the natural tendency, and we all have this, to either move in one of two directions. That either you will move in the direction of being distracted, or you will move in the direction of, of performing before the Lord. And I'm sure that you will find yourself in one of those two options. You're either distracted, or you want to perform. Because so much of our culture is designed to do those two things, to keep you as busy as possible or to keep you as distracted as possible. Think about it. You wake up. You hustle all day long. You grind and you get after it regarding whatever career or venture that you are pursuing. And at the end of the busy day, what do you want to do? You want to press pause on life, right? You want a distraction from the busyness. And so what do you do? We turn on the TV, we, we drink, we drink, we have a drink. We mindlessly scroll through TikTok or Instagram Reels, which is really just TikTok for old people. But so many of the things we do to press pause are really designed to numb the soul, to distract you. And I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. I'm not saying you, you shouldn't do any of those things. There's a time and a place, but you need to realize that they're designed in such a way to pull you away from reality. And for so many of us, the only time that we press pause, it's to distract ourselves or to numb ourselves, 
to detach us from the world. But pressing pause in prayer is different. It's not detaching yourself, but it's attaching yourself to the source of life. It's not to pull you away from reality as much as it is to draw you towards the reality of God's presence. It's not running away from life's problems, but it's running towards the only one who is the answer and the provider of all of life's needs. Psalm 131, verse 1 to 2, articulates this heart for pausing before the Lord. It says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I have calmed and quieted my soul. When was the last time your soul was calmed and quieted? And I do this so that I can say no to the gravitational pull towards performance or distraction, and so I can say yes to the Holy Spirit's pull towards his presence. It is pausing in prayer. That's how Jesus settles the storms in our hearts. It is pausing in prayer that is how Jesus makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me towards still waters. Pausing in prayer, we need to pause in prayer because be still and know that I am God is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's a command to be still. And so to our restless hearts, God says, be still. Which ironically, the word still we get from the Latin word that means to vacate, to take a vacation. You know, by pausing in prayer, we are in essence taking a much needed vacation from trying to be God. How many of you know that God is so much better at being God than we are at being God? And so we pause to say, you are God and I am not. And believe me, that's not a cliche or that's not a token. We need to seriously say that and confess, God, you're God and I'm not. So when you pray, and I say when, because Jesus never said if you pray. He said when you pray, be intentional about taking time to pause. And it doesn't have to be at the very first thing. It doesn't have to be the very first thing you do in your prayer. It can be the last thing. It can be in the middle part of your prayer. It doesn't matter. It can even just be once a week. You say, this, all I'm doing today is I'm pausing before the Lord. But when you pause, put down your wish list and wait. And just be still. And so today, you know, just in closing, I want to just leave you and get uh, with a few practical ways that we can pause. And, and for this series, we're going to try to be as practical as we possibly can to help us together to pray well. I believe to pause, you need two things. First, you need to find a place. And secondly, you need to find a posture. First is to find a place. Do you have a place where you can go and be still before the Lord? You know, Jesus had a certain place. That's what Luke chapter 11 verse 1 says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. He had a certain place that he would go and pray. A quiet place that was away from everything and everyone. I encourage you to find such a place. And in that place, it can't be where technology is. Your phone shouldn't come with you into that place. Keep a pen and paper handy so that when your to-do list that magically comes into your mind, the moment you want to pray, you can just write it down and just leave it and you won't forget it. 
And for some people, you know, it might be a closet. Growing up, it was like, get your prayer closet. But there's clothes in my closet. There's nowhere for me to go. It's, it's a symbol, a prayer closet or a prayer chair or something. And all of you busy families, because I've been there before, you're like, how do, am I to find a place when I, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself without my kid picking the lock and coming in? Where could I find a place? Well, let me tell you the story of a, of a, of a lady named Susanna Wesley who was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who were the founders of Methodism. So Susanna is nicknamed the mother of Methodism. And I want to tell you about how she found a place to pray. The story is in our book. And in this book, it tells the story about how this Susanna Wesley would homeschool her children for six hours a day. And then after the day, you know, so she would homeschool for six hours a day. She survived the loss of nine other children. She experienced the heartbreak of a very volatile marriage. Her husband was placed in prison for financial fraud. And there'd be no place for her to pray with all these children in her house. And so whenever Susanna wanted to spend time with the Lord, she would pull her apron over her head. That was her place. Because the kids were trained to learn that when mom's apron goes over her head, she's in her prayer closet. Don't disturb her. And that was her silent place to press pause. So find a place. And and number two, just as important as having a place, I think it's equally important to have a certain posture before the Lord. I believe posture matters greatly. There's a reason why in church we lift up our hands or we get on our knees. In fact, the Bible is filled with examples of of posturing ourselves in prayer because when we posture ourselves with our body, it's signaling to our mind and our hearts to do something as well. The Bible talks about lifting up hands and, and lying down or dancing or kneeling. However, when it comes to pausing, what I would really encourage you is do not lie down because you're going to, you know, this young man's about to dream dreams if he lies down. Get on your knees or posture yourself in such a way. Another thing to consider is whether or not you are someone who has the ability to sit still. I'm not kidding, okay? Because if you're someone who's very active, an external processor, or maybe someone like me who at a young age was told that he had ADHD, you might struggle with the advice to get in a quiet place and kneel before the Lord. You know, when I was... Uh, younger, you know, and just, um, I always, you know, would, I, I think I've told this story before. My father had the practice of praying every morning uh, in his room, you know, and he would quiet himself. And I remember telling a friend, older, I always wanted that, you know, that, that, that discipline to like go in my room and quiet myself. And I would say, the problem is, is that when I do that, I go crazy. I want to move and all that. But when I go for a walk and when I pray, I find everything's quieted. When I sit still, everything's so noisy in my head, but when I walk, my mind just quiets. And my friend's just like, well, stop doing that then. (laughs) Go for a walk and pray. He said, I'm giving you permission to stop trying to perform, stop trying to be like somebody else and be who God created you to be. And so allow me to just encourage you with that. If you were created to move and you're someone who struggles to sit still, you know, get out there and move. Let that be your posture. Now, do I not think that there's a tremendous value in disciplining yourself to be still a few moments a day? Of course, I, I, I would believe that to be true. But maybe your posture is to simply get out and move to engage your, to engage your heart, to quiet your mind. So here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Take a moment in your day and to press pause. Find a place, find a posture, and before you start praying, stop praying. 
meaning be still, be present, be loved. Learning to pause is one of the ways that we can learn to pray well, helping us to identify and root out the ways that we are easily distracted or feel like we need to perform. If you've never done this before, start with one minute. One minute. One minute. Can we do one minute? We can all do one minute. Because the beautiful thing is if we do the one minute one week, two minutes the second week, by September, that's 20 minutes of your day just pausing in prayer. It adds up quickly, doesn't it? Let's stand to our feet. To close, I want to ask you the following questions for reflection. Let's just take a moment just to, just to you know, bow our heads before the Lord and, and just allow him to speak to us right now. Number one, are you content with your prayer life? Are you happy with your prayer life? If not, what is one step you can do to begin moving closer? Remember, this is not an overnight step. You know, in this instantaneous overnight quick fix culture that we live in, we can always want things right now. It's going to take time. So ask the Lord to give you desire. Are you content? Are you happy? Number two, are you someone who gravitates towards distraction or performance? You know, I'll admit I don't have much of a desire to perform because I know God knows he looks at my best and he's not that impressed. But man, if I see a squirrel, I'm gone. Are you distracted or do you need to perform? Number three, how can you implement just a time of pausing in prayer? Do you have a place? And do you have a posture that you can posture yourself? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that you've given us the gift of prayer and that we as humans, there's this instinctual need in our soul to to reach out to you and to be connected with our maker, with our creator. Lord, thank you, God, that you have given us that ability, Lord, that lifeline that we have to you, that you've called us to pray, Lord, that you've, when we struggle to pray, you allow us to ask you and you give us the ability, you give us the knowledge, you give us the desire. And so we say thank you today, oh God, for those things, because you too long to, you know, be in an intimate relationship with us, to have connection, to have closeness with the people that you love and you made. And Lord, we, um, I think we as a culture, collectively, we can take a moment to confess that as a, as a collective you know, group of people, we have struggled, that we have fallen under the, the temptations that this world has offered us to work really, really hard for ourselves, and then we deserve a break, and so we detach ourselves. And God, I, I don't think anything those things are wrong in themselves, but Lord, I think that subconsciously over time, Lord, we can drift and we can become you know, habitually attached to these rhythms. And Lord, we want to be guided and Lord, we want to be um, led by you, not by the world, not by the ways of the world. We want to be led by you. And Lord, you led your disciples to pray. Lord, you taught them how to pray. And so Lord, we're just asking that same question the disciples asked. Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe that's a prayer that is prayed by the person who is the most experienced in prayer in this entire room to the person who, is, who has never prayed before and is praying for the first time. That prayer is the same, one and the same. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, I believe that if we as a church take prayer seriously, oh God, we would be so blessed. Lord, I thank you that you've, you've gifted so many in this, in this place, Lord, just with a heart of prayer, Lord. And I pray that that, that heart for prayer will continue to grow and expand and expand and expand, oh Lord. Because if my people, they humble themselves and pray, 
and they seek your face. Lord, you promise to do incredible things, healing and restoration and revival. And, and Lord, but we need to pray. So teach us, Lord, help us. And Lord, in that one discipline that we are focusing on this week, pausing, learning to pause, Lord, just give us the courage to give it a try. Lord, just help us, Lord, to remind us, God, you know, to, to keep an appointment with you, Lord. It's not so much us scheduling an appointment with you as you scheduling an appointment with us. Help us to keep those appointments. If all of a sudden on the heart, Lord, we just feel the urge to pray, Lord, let us, let us believe that that is you saying, I've scheduled an appointment with you. Will you accept or will you decline? Lord, help us to accept that appointment every time. Teach us to pray. We thank you for graciously giving us Lord, the Lord's Prayer and everything else in Scripture, Lord, that teaches us how to pray, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, speaking of prayer, uh, at this time I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. If you'd like for someone to pray with you over something or anything, any sort of need, this is a great way just to come and receive prayer. Let us just agree with you in faith for whatever it is that you are asking the Lord for. Our prayer team will be at the front. You can just come forward. Otherwise, I wish you all a wonderful week. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget to check out the book sale. Just back through those doors. Just go have a, a wander through, and we'd love to see you there.